Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Sanctum Pod Torum. I'm Dave Michaels. And I'm Brian Betts. And we are the Cape Podcasters. This is a show where we talk about some supermen. And sometimes superwomen. But today, we're talking about a real-life superhero. That's right. We're talking about Gabby, Cameo Man, Generalissimo, the godfather of comics, the one above all, Smiling Stan, the late, great Stanley Martin Lieber, Stan the Man Lee. This one hurt. Yeah, it did. <laughs> this it, came... Yeah, I mean, he's 90, was 95 years old. At 95 years old, you should see it coming, but it's still... It didn't feel right this week to kind of talk about what we were going to talk about. We had an episode all lined up, ready for you, but this just feels more important at yeah. this time. Yeah. This feels like someone that we have grown up loving. Yeah. The way, I, the way I've always looked at, at Stan Lee is that I got introduced to him in Mallrats. I'm not kidding when I say I made a lot of mall rats jokes. Absolutely. In an episode you'll hear next week. <laughs> and uh, that's why I learned about who he was. Same, really. I mean, mall rats was, was definitely one of my first introductions to him outside of his comic universe. Yeah, I wasn't all down with the comics at the time. That's why. It was well, like, I never really read yeah. them, but like I would watch Spider-Man. I would watch the Iron, Iron sure. Man had a, an animated series for a little while there. Did it really? I think. I don't remember it. Somebody like a picture, but I can't remember it. I had an action figure from it, so well, that's how that. I assume we've, I watched we've it. We've talked about Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, we have. So I, I didn't really know the man behind it until Mallrats. Yeah, it's kind of when I first like saw him. Yeah, I guess. I was that's like, the oh, case. so that's what he looks like. Yeah, I feel like I knew his voice until the, for some reason, like right. leading up to that. But it's a distinct one. It is extremely distinct. But I mean, we grew up like the New York area. So it's, I mean, how distinct really is it? But you could pick that thing out anywhere if you yeah. really had to. Yeah. Between like the, just the energy behind it at all times. Just, it was so, so confident and so. Animated. Animated and so caring. Everything about him. He was caring. He was extremely caring. Very. I always compared Stan Lee to Walt Disney. That's fair. It's kind That's of the way I looked at parallel. it. Was, yeah. And the reason I say that is because I know that. I've read up on a few things Walt Disney, and a lot of people forget that Walt Disney was like a movie producer mm -hmm. for a lot of his career. But at some point, he just became Walt. Yeah. Where he was just known for being He transcended this, like the role yeah, in the company and just became- His own character the, almost, almost. But it was him. The company itself- Exactly. Embodied through a single person. Exactly. I feel like that's how Stan Lee kind of has been since probably X-Men. Tell you the truth, his first cameo with X-Men. Yeah. Is that's kind of how I feel like he, he's been. He's always been there. But it's never been like story by Stanley or something like that. It's like the characters were created by him. But he always just, he was his own thing. Co-created. That's correct also. <laughs> he co-created a lot of the characters. But he was always just bigger than any of these things. Yeah, he was just, he was the man behind the scenes, but also wasn't behind the scenes at all. Correct. He was, he was right the, on the front street. The man in front of the scenes. <laughs> yep. And behind the scenes. He was the man of all scenes. <laughs> We've brought up cameos already a few times. What's your favorite cameo? My favorite cameo? Oh, boy. How do you choose one? I actually have a list here of just about every cameo he's had since 1989. Okay. And uh, there's too many of them, obviously, to go over here. But if I had to choose my favorite, it's probably Mallrats. Oh, yeah? I think I would have to go with, with one of his non-universe cameos. It's a good one. It's definitely a good one. And I like how... Kevin Smith got to play around with Stan Lee, the character. In that yeah, one. yeah. Because all the advice that he gives to 
is it Brody in that one or is it TS? I think he gives it to Brody. Brody. Is he makes up his own comic for it in order to cr- come up with all this, like this dialogue here. Right. So it kind of, to me, that felt kind of like almost meta of what did the character within Mallrats, Stan Lee himself, come up with this story to tell Brody to like, hey, the girl who got away. Like, don't. Exactly. Or did Kevin Smith write it that way? Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I think it's friggin' brilliant. It's great. My personal favorite one's in Deadpool. The Deadpool one is so bad. <laughs> He's playing the DJ. Oh, it's so good. And He's having a ball with coming it. Coming to the stage. What was it? Oh, give it up for chastity. That's what it was. <laughs> so good. So good. Do you know what uh, uh, a few times Stan's been on record saying what his favorite cameo was? Have we talked about it? We talked about one of the three that he's The he's one we talked about was Iron Man. Yeah, and yeah. Where he plays, where he's mistaken for Hef. Yeah. The one he always, the one before that that he claimed was his favorite was in, believe it or not, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Okay. Uh, he got to do, there's actually a, a scene in the Fantastic Four annual number three from 1965 where he and Jack Kirby try to crash uh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm's wedding. Well, that's the exact scene they did for that movie. So it was kind of, it was like a personal thing for him. Sure. And then he was later quoted as was saying- Was that the one where they're on the cover actually, like him and Jack Kirby on the cover staring at it? I'm not sure. Okay. I've never seen a cover like that. I was, I was like kind of reading up on him the past few days. But uh, then he said later in life that his favorite cameo was the one he did for Age of Ultron, where he's at the uh, Avengers victory party and that he can handle a shot of Asgardian liquor because he fought at Omaha Beach. And then they immediately cut to him just black out, passed out drunk. <laughs> and, so and he good. just kind of mutters, Excelsior. <laughs> and that's a great cameo. That's a really good cameo. So much fun. Well, you kind of you kind of hinted at, I guess, his motto. Not yeah. even his catchphrase. It's his motto. It's his, it's his yeah. creed. He has a personal motto. Excelsior is Latin for ever upward and That's onward. Perfect. That's absolutely perfect. It's also part of, I think it's New York City's or New York State's motto. Okay. Makes sense. He grew Which up I in think the is Bronx. Where got it. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. It's great. It really is. I wish I had a one-word motto that I could just slap on the end of every statement I made. Why not? It would involve work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the stuff I was also reading the past few days, just kind of like, we obviously knew who Stanley was. Yeah. But I never took a deeper dive like into his life or anything. Neither did I. And I mean, I, I've, I've talked to you about this since we've started doing our podcast, is I was never big into comics. I made a comment on, I don't remember what episode it was, how I'm not a comic guy, I'm a movie guy. Right. And I felt kind of dirty doing that, <laughs> to be, to, just being totally truthful. It's and as you know, I went back to 1963 Spider-Man. Yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man. I started been reading through those. And then I get this news and it's like, oh, well, kind of like a kick in the head where yeah. it's something I'm now so familiar with, like just been from reading all this stuff. And I've been really engulfed in Spider-Man the past few weeks. <laughs> it's kind of sick, but it's not. <laughs> I understand yeah, where the character fair. comes from. And it's one of those things where... I've read Spider-Man when I was younger, yeah. but it was different series of Spider-Man, more modern series of Spider-Man. Right. So the origin was completely lost on me. I thought the origin was kind of based off the movies, and it's not. And it's one of those things I would kind of, I don't want to say urge people to do, is to go back and reread some of the older stuff so you can actually see where these characters are coming from. Yeah. But maybe give it a try. Because the characters you see on screen today, they have the name. They're an adaptation. They have the look. They're yeah. a... 
they're an adaptation of what they truly, truly were. Yeah. And that's interesting to me. But all the stuff I was doing, taking a deeper dive into Stanley, I got a lot of really cool stories about him that made me very happy. I do too. I think we should share. Okay. I'll, I'm going to start off because there was one how he was married 67 years. Yeah. To his wife, Joni, who passed away last year. Yeah. And there was one story about how he was starting to, I guess, get started in comics in the 60s, early 60s. I yeah, want to say maybe late 50s. His, um, because he got started doing Captain America. His, he didn't create Captain America. He did not. But that's where he got started. The first book he wrote was was uh, or not that he wrote, but he wrote on was yeah. Captain America Comics number three in 1941. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So he would have been 16, 17. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't really get his massive break for years until the 60s. Yeah. Until actually, the early 60s when he started to. Become Marvel's guy. I, I do have a story about how he got started. Sure. His uncle Robbie worked for publisher Martin Goodman at Magazine Management, who had a sub-brand called Timely Comics. And Timely Comics, they needed an office assistant. So Robbie was like, oh, yeah, hire my nephew, whatever. And they brought in Stan Lieber. He worked for Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. And they were the ones who created Captain America. So he got to write under them. He was doing minor uh, editing tweaks and things like that. And would always come up with suggestions. So they were like, let him write on number three. Getting to learn from Jack Kirby's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. And then um, he uh, he always thought that he would go on to write novels. So he used yep. a pen name, Stan Lee. Thinking, Oops. Thinking, the great American novel. <laughs> oh, this, this is just my throwaway name for these silly yep. little comics. Well, actually, what happened was uh, Kirby and Simon got fired, and Lee took over as editor of Timely Comics at around 19 years old. And he was like, ah, sure, you know. He actually, he has a quote. He's like, when you're 19 years old, what do you know? He, I said, sure, I can do it. And that was that. I became editor, and I think you forgot to hire somebody. Because <laughs> he, was, he was interim. <laughs> yeah, editor, yeah. And they were just like, yeah, keep doing it. That's absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. The one that I have is that um, I don't know which editor it was. I want to say it was Marvel. But they wanted Stan to start writing just action. And he ended up actually telling this story. This actually hurt a little bit. I'm going to backtrack for a second. Okay. Is when I saw the news that Stan had passed away, I remember I was at work and I remember coming home and on my Amazon Prime, I've been watching Comic Book Men. And as I turned it on, I completely forgot the episode I was watching. Oh no. It was Stan Lee. Oh wow. And Stan Lee was in the middle of telling a story at the time. So I was just like, okay, maybe this is kind of like poetic in a way. Yeah. That's how I, I took it. So I rewound us to get back to the beginning of the story. And the story was that the editors wanted him to just do, and he's telling the story on Comic Book Men, the editors wanted him to just do action, action, action. Right. Stan Lee could write action. That was no problem. Sure. But the thing that he did really well was that he put the human in superhuman. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Which was his thing. He gave actual personality. He wanted things to feel real. False. So he said, I don't want to, he's talking to his wife, Joni, he's like, I don't, I don't want to write action. I want to write my stories. I think I'm going to quit. And she said- why don't you just write your own story? Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna quit, why not just write your own story? Just go for it and see what they think. Rest is kind of history from there. That was of uh, just blaze your own trail, and he he absolutely did that. That's how Fantastic Four was born, and that's it. It's amazing. It's a hell of a story. Amazing. Another story that he tells on that Comic Book Men episode is how he he claimed that his wife Joni was had kind of a bit of a temper sometimes. Yeah, and that. She ended up smashing the typewriter <laughs> that he had typed all of this stuff on. That's and he crazy. just looked at her and said, like, 
we could have auctioned that off for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and now we kind of like, he debated just buying a typewriter that looked exactly like it and claiming and it. Claiming but he's it like, but I've the told one. the story too many times That's now funny. that we can't pull that off. <laughs> too bad eBay wasn't a thing back then. I would have oh, sold man. the parts. Yeah, yeah. He was in World War II. He served sure World War II in the, uh, in the U.S. Army Training Film Division. Yeah. He was writing manuals and training films and slogans and cartoons under the military classification of playwright. There were only nine men in the U.S. Army who had that title. Okay. And uh, Stan was, Lieber was one of them. He was writing training films with uh, William Saroyan, who has a some sort of award. Okay. I'll believe you. Theodore Geisel. That's Dr. Seuss. That's Dr. <laughs> okay. Seuss. That's cool. He also worked with Ivan Goff and Ben Roberts, who wrote the Jimmy Cagney movie, White Heat. Okay. And then... He also worked with cartoonist Charles Adams, who was responsible for the Adams family. Wow. And Frank Capra. Really? That yeah. one actually doesn't surprise me. That last one doesn't surprise me one bit. So all those guys were the military classification playwright during hey, World War II. Whatever works to serve your country, I guess. I guess. So whatever you can do, right? Uh another thing I had read is that he also got his start writing by writing obituaries. Mm. But found that too depressing. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Could you imagine this upbeat man writing an obituary? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Excelsior? <laughs> eh, Excelsior. <laughs> he also helped weaken censorship of mainstream comics. In what way? There was a thing called the Comics Code Authority, and they would not run, they wouldn't put their seal on anything that ran with any drug references, even if they were anti-drug references. He was approached by the United States Department of Health, Education, and Welfare to do a story about the problem of drug abuse. So he did a whole story about, uh, in The Amazing Spider-Man in 1971, of Harry Osborn having a bad trip on LSD and nearly dying. And the Comic Court Authority was like, we're not going to put our seal on this because you're talking about drugs. We're not having it. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to run it. Also, 1971, still working for Martin Goodman, but now at Marvel Comics. I think Timely Comics became Marvel Comics after the war. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know a lot of people like say that he's like the creator of Marvel. It's like he wasn't. He was kind of the guy who made it popular though. Yeah. Yeah. He when it came like, down to it because the brand ambassador. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> even if you look at the Marvel character that kind of exploded was Spider Man. Right. And he wrote that with Steve Ditko, who we lost only a few months ago. Yeah. This year. Yeah. So I mean, take that for whatever it's worth. I don't know. Mm. So after that issue ran, the uh it sold like crazy and People were like, oh, this is great. You're talking about real issues. So the CCA changed their rules to allow for anti-drug messages in comics. That works. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really, really liked that I've started seeing since I started reading some of these comics yeah. is Stan Soapbox. Stan Soapbox is great. A lot of people really like it. Yeah. How it kind of, I guess. It's like a letter, letters to the editor kind of thing. It sort of is, but it's like the opposite. Because it's, it's like taking what you see, yeah, it's sort of. It's sort of taking what you see and kind of putting it into a a more, I guess, focused context. Stan liked to take a lot of real social issues and translate those into his stories. Yeah. So, I mean, that's how the X-Men became the X-Men. Right. Is it's... you have mutants who just don't fit in but are completely normal people. They just they get looked at differently. Yeah. There's so, a lot of stories about kind of- Civil rights allegory. Exactly. Yeah. And there was- I want to find the date on this. It was in 1968 sometime. I, I had heard about the Stan Soapbox for a few years. I don't know if you have. Yeah. 
there's a ridiculous famous one that's making its way around right now. Uh, I'm I'm going to take the time to read it, I think. Okay. This Dan Soapbox says, let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costume supervillains that can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun, the only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evils that they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater, one who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beat him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Now we're trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another. But although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is ever to be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then, and only then, will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, and God who calls us all his children. How perfect is that? It's great. How absolutely perfect. That's 1968. That translates to now. Yeah. Stan had his, had his finger on the pulse all along. He was a big fighter for just humanity in general. A complete optimist through and through. Absolutely. Always sticking up for the little guy. Anyone could be super. Anyone, Anyone could be, be super. His biggest thing was a boy, a, as they constantly call in the comics, bookworm. How they're picking on him for being smart, not realizing he's got the proportional strength of a spider. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, that's, an absolute, that's incredible. Yeah. That's so good. Man, this isn't sadness. This is a celebration. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. It's a little long-winded, though. He's a little long-winded, though. But what great writers aren't? <laughs> he actually said that he mar he uh, he modeled Reed Richards after himself. Uh, he said he's the world's greatest scientist. That's not after me. But he also talks so much that he could bore the hell out of you. That was me. <laughs> he used big words, and I like doing that because it gave the thing, the other character, the opportunity to always be insulting him. The gee, does this man ever shut up? That's so good. It's great. That's so so good. Speaking of kind of modeling people, he. Managed to influence a lot of creative people. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one that really stood out to me was Todd McFarlane, mm -hmm. creator of Spawn, Venom. Yeah. All that stuff. How there was a story how Todd McFarlane ran into Stan Lee just in a hallway at a very small comic convention and asked Stan Lee if he could just hang out with him and ask him some questions, to which Stan Lee pulled up a chair and for the next seven hours... Wow. Answered questions, talking to him. Seven hours. Completely changed this guy's life. The thing that really just- Whose that, life wouldn't that change? Oh, it's crazy, right? That's insane. The one thing I really, I really, really, really loved about Stan was that he understood celebrity. Yeah. Because Stan was, he was a celebrity that is so recognizable- Big time. All over the place, no matter where he was. And that he understood that he would take the time with his fans- because he understood the impact that he could have just from having that like very small interaction with them. Yeah. That's going to stick around. It's going to last a lifetime. Right. Some would say that he understood his power and he understood the responsibility behind that power. <laughs> you could say that. Some would say that. And it would, it would make a lot of sense here. You, you might say that with great power also comes great responsibility. You might say that. And you might be right here. A, a quote that Stan said just kind of came to him. Yeah. Strange, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
But he took it very seriously. Yeah. And he touched a lot of people and changed a lot of lives just from taking that extra second. Right. He understood where he was in this. He's just a guy who just and enjoyed life. And how important it could be to talk to him for just a little bit of time. Yeah. To somebody else. That's exactly be... it. And just being generally kind to him. He wasn't dropping just wisdom bombs on everybody. He wasn't doing that. He was just taking the time. I feel like no matter what he said to you, wouldn't it feel like a wisdom bomb though? Yeah, probably. Without a doubt. I would... He could have just been like, follow your dreams. And I've been like, oh. Man, that's going <laughs> to that's that's, that's be on new... my family crest. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, Stan Lee told me to follow my dreams. So now now whatever I dream about, that's that's what I do. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Maybe not. I know that one thing me and you have been looking up is different quotes that he's had because he's an extremely quotable guy. Very quotable. Do, what do you have? Let's just, how about we go back and forth a couple quotes? Stan once said, uh, I feel when you collaborate with talented people, they inspire you. I would hope that you spark them also. I find that working with people whom you respect and who are as eager as you to do things that will excite an audience, that's just the best way to go. I've been so lucky that I've found and worked with that caliber of people. That gets it. He does. Completely gets it. He's, and he's very open about his collaboration. He is. And uh, a lot of the stuff I've been reading also lately is that he was really unsure of himself. There was a lot of doubt behind all the stuff that he did. That's surprising. Where because for, of his he was public extremely persona. confident. Man, if you ever read any of the like letters, letters to the writers, how a lot of people would write uh, Stan and Steve did go yeah. at, at the end of all this, the Spider-Man comics. And they would kind of give him critiques, say like, this was great. This was awesome. This was not great. And the confidence that they threw out back at them it was like a, almost its own persona. Yeah. And it was just, it's incredible to read. One of the things I liked is that they never put these people down for, I guess, reading comics almost, is you have Stan Lee who wanted to become like the writer of the great American novel, but he started writing comic books mm -hmm. and he started telling his own story, he started building his own mythologies. And I mean, he didn't know that he was completely molding a lot of young men and young minds and young people just in general. Yeah. Of just their beliefs and, and where they stand kind of morally. But the one thing he always said was, you keep reading them, I'll keep writing them. And that absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. And that's not even my quote I'm throwing at you. That's just one of his philosophies, right. which I friggin' love. He just said, the more you read, the better you're going to become as a storyteller. That, to me, stuck with me. Yeah. That's incredible. That's huge. Another quote that I came across that really hit home with me, at least, is embracing your kind of nerdum. And okay. like geekery. Yeah. It's it's a tricky spot. Is I know me and you both we oh, yeah. we own it. It's out there. It's fully out there. <laughs> we it's never been more out there. No, nope, it's right now is probably the the peak of where it's been out there for me. Yeah, same for sure. Same. So what Stan said was I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer while other people were building bridges or going to medical careers. And then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives. Without it, they might go off the deep end. I feel that if you're able to entertain people, you're doing a good thing. Yeah. That completely nails it. Absolutely. You ever wonder why he's got a lot of uh, characters with names like Peter Parker, the alliteration? Doom, and we've Reed joked Richards, about it. Sue Storm, Bruce Banner. No, we've completely joked about it. Might not be Bruce Banner. I, <laughs> maybe they changed his name to Bruce Banner so he could remember it because he said, uh, it's like I had to find a cheat to remember all these characters. I was creating at such a fast pace. I don't know what's going to stick here, so I have to figure these out, out these shortcuts in the creative process so that it all sort of works. I hope that some of it sticks. So basically, he just did it so he could remember the names. It's a smart idea. Yeah. It's I a mean, very smart idea. <laughs> whatever works, right? <laughs>
I mean, it's one of those things that it doesn't just stick for him, though. That's pretty embedded. It's a, it's a solid strategy because then everybody remembers him. Yeah. Not just him. And that makes you think, like, Steve Rogers. That's not him. That's not, no, <laughs> that's not no, a Stanley that character. not a Stanley character at all. <laughs> he was so loved that even the competition wanted to get in on it. They were like, you know what, Stan? Come on over here. In the 2000s, they launched a Just Imagine series where they had Stan do all the DC heroes. So he did a, a, a Superman and a Batman and a Wonder Woman. Oh, that's cool. Just a, a what that's if really Stan cool. Lee created well, they Superman. Had a, Marvel had a what if series. Yeah. And the what if was kind of throwing out the, all those crazy things of like, what all if this, this person right. fought this person? this person was so like that, actually... Actually crossing the streams there. But yeah, DC was that's like, amazing. come on over. And the fact that he's, he's cool enough to say like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, sure. I'll do it. They did it again this year. Okay. In the Teen Titans movie, they had a there was a Stanley cameo. Really? Yeah. So in the film, he realizes he's in a DC movie and not a Marvel one. He's like, oh, I need to leave. <laughs> then he shows up again later in the movie, and he says, I don't care if it's a DC movie. I just love making cameos. Excelsior. Great. That's amazing. I can't wait for that now. It's incredible. That's so good. I know that a lot of the stuff has been coming out of... of what has he filmed at this point? Yeah. I know one of the things with him is that he never liked to travel. All the stuff that's filming at the same time is they would fly him out and organize his schedule so that he could film all these cameos kind of in like a day or two. Yeah. Just to knock them all out. And apparently it was like a holiday on set every single time he showed up. Of course. What, why wouldn't it be? Why? How could it not be? You have the happiest oh, stands guy. Here. Guy stands here. Full of just optimism. Yeah. Just lighting up the room every single time. I know and for I, a fact that he's going to be... He's going to have a cameo in four more movies. Which four? I know of, of Captain Marvel, and I know of Avengers 4. He's also, he has two voice cameos. Okay. In Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and in Ralph Breaks the Internet. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, nobody said anything about whether or not he has recorded a Spider-Man Far From Home cameo, so it's not likely that he has. Okay. But. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But, but, you gotta I mean, get... with the with the MCU resetting after Avengers four, it might be, it might be appropriate. Okay. It's almost kind of closure, almost. Yeah, I, I also we... wouldn't mind if they just CGI'd a cameo of him into every movie they ever did from now on, just outright. It was Stan's favorite part. He loved doing it. He absolutely just loved loved the cameos. Doing... I know that one of his he... his least favorite cameo was in the original Sam Raimi Spider Man. How. He didn't do anything. He just looked up and went, oh. Yeah. And it got pulled off to the side. He actually talked to Sam Raimi about that and said, like, what are you doing? I can't stretch my acting chops. <laughs> <laughs> and the second one, they had to do the same thing. <laughs> I think there was a deleted scene in the first one. You where, think so? Where he, uh, like, he offered a map or something to Spider-Man. Something dumb. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, part of his deal, what part of his contract with Marvel Enterprises was that he appeared in every film based on characters he created because he loved it so much. What a cool thing. It's amazing. Not, it's not even that he loved it so much. I think we loved it. We so loved much. it. Yeah. It's always like, where's Stan? Where's Stan? That's exactly it. I remember like Alfred Hitchcock was really known for doing that, putting right. himself in all of his movies. And when he knew what he had with Psycho, how big of a movie that was, like this is completely out of place in a Stan Lee thing, but still, is that he put his cameo up front in that movie so it wouldn't distract people from looking for him the rest of the movie. Yeah. But with Stan, when it popped up, it was just complete joy every single time. Yeah, there Because is. it was usually a completely ridiculous character. <laughs> well, when we saw Infinity War, the the theater erupted 
when he was this the, on the bus. Yeah. Like there's Stan. He got a he got a whole applause. Almost as big as Captain America did. Yeah, his uh his applause. Nobody came close to the Thor at the end though. Well, no. No, that was ridiculous. <laughs> that was insane. But now I think that when you see Stan, and this is kind of a weird way of putting it, is I remember seeing uh Star Wars Last Jedi. Me and you saw that together. Yeah. And the Leia scenes were kind of bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. Because Carrie Fisher had left us right. a year before at that point. There's a different emotional weight to it. Yeah, where it wasn't a like, yeah, yeah. It was, it, like a, oh. it was kind of like, you're just happy that they're there again. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's like, oh, remember? And I kind of, I, I'm kind of it? curious to see like how that's going to come up here. I'm very curious. And I'm getting a little misty thinking about that. Me because too. that's. Uh, yeah. Roy Thomas, who is uh, editor-in-chief at Marvel. Said he he visited Stan a couple days, I guess like last week. I heard it was like over the weekend. Yeah, and said uh, they were talking about the upcoming book, the Stan Lee story. They talked comics. How fucking cool is of that? Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. And uh, he said that I think he was ready to go, uh, but he was still talking about doing more cameos. As long as he had the energy for it and he didn't have to travel, Stan was always up to do some more cameos. He got a kick out of those more than anything else. It's the absolute best. That's. Uh, I mean, that's great. Just pure joy. There's so much that I've been like reading on this. Like, I, I kind of want everyone listening to this. Just go out and read like just anything you can find about Stanley at this point because yeah. it's so fascinating. Learn about the man. Yeah, but it's one of those things that I just I'm I feel like I'm I took it for granted at this point. Definitely. Now that he's Definitely. gone, now I'm and learning all this stuff. Now I'm learning about all these things and I'm like because oh. now it's I mean it's all always been ready available, but right. now it actually has like weight to it almost yeah i don't i yeah. don't i really don't know how to work this is still kind of raw yeah i guess so yeah, maybe that's the problem still fresh so i don't know do you have anything you, you usually have the random stuff out there so, oh, what's yeah. your random one <laughs> for three months in the 70s he tried to ban exclamation marks in marvel comics what he deemed them childish okay uh it ended okay <laughs> it ended almost immediately because the writers ignored him fine you know what fine <laughs> He's one of the biggest, I mean, he uses them more than anybody I know. I would say. <laughs> but there you go. He's like, no more exclamation marks, points, whatever you want to call them. Either way. If not, they would call him nothing if Stan had his way. Whammies. That's what I call him. No more whammies. That's that's not what you call him. That absolutely is. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thing to kind of go out on. Okay. Uh, it's another Stanley quote. We're celebrating. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Let's not. He said, being a geek has become a badge of honor. It's geeks who really make or break TV shows or movies or video games. They're the ones who are passionate about these things and who collect the paraphernalia and talk about them. A geek is really somebody interested in communication, entertainment, and finding the best way to avail himself or herself to it. I love that. Fuck yeah. Just own it, man. Yeah. Be you. Like what you like. Who gives a shit? Exactly. It's the best thing in the world. Who uh, cares? That's amazing. I don't know if Stan would have said shit or fuck or any of that stuff. Probably not, but you know what? We will. I'll translate. <laughs> I don't mind. I freaking love that so much. It's so good. I think it's terrific. That's great. Again, I'm I'm still trying to find like the right way to feel about all this stuff. And yeah. I know how I feel. Yeah. But I'm trying to put it in perspective how I feel. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough. And it's one of those like And I I probably won't know until I see 
the next movie the that next comes one. out and I see yeah. his cameo and go, shit. I feel it's going to be like another, like a Heath Ledger type thing. Yeah. Where you just, you know, you know what you have. Or, you or, know, uh, we'll be watching yeah. the Oscars later and it'll be like, damn it. During the, the In Memoriam, in memoriam? Section, We're going to be like, oh. it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. Just keep opening that wound just a little bit, Ugh. a little bit. But it's one of, he's one of those people that you really take for granted how he's, al- he's always just been there. Yeah. At least that's why for us, I, he's always just I been got the there. news on Monday and I was like, no, that's not that's possible. That's not true. Stanley's, Stanley's going to be alive forever. And I know- He's Kev- 95 years old, yep. of course. Of course. He was going to be gone soon. Of course. But, but the thing that got me was even Kevin Feige said that he thought this was going to be the guy who lived forever. Right. And- Stan Lee, uh, this actually was a touching little story. I'll throw out really quickly. Is that early two thousand? Stan Lee ended up calling Kevin Feige, and on his answering machine, called him Fearless Feige. Fearless, and Feige. he saved the the voicemail because it just meant that much from that Stan Lee gave him a, a Stan Lee nickname. How cool is that? I wish I had a Stan Lee nickname. How cool is that? That's I do incredible. too. Incredible. Oh, man. About four years ago, Stan Lee did an interview with Playboy, and uh, he talked about death and said. You know, my motto is Excelsior, and that's an old word that means upward and onward to greater glory. It's on the state seal of the state of New York. Keep moving forward. And if it's time to go, it's time. Nothing lasts forever. That couldn't be any more perfect. He he knew it was it was inevitable. Of course. And just keep moving on. That's exactly it. Keep on keeping on. So that's what we're going to keep doing. Yeah. So we're going to be back next week. With Catwoman. With Catwoman. It might be Cat One. It might be The Incredibles. Uh, who knows? We'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. see which which one we feel like doing at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you're curious, or in in the area, the University of Wyoming, the uh, American Heritage Center has a whole Stanley archive that's open to the public. Um, also, you can donate to the Stanley Foundation. They're dedicated to supporting programs and ideas that provide people access to literacy resources, helping them to participate and communicate and engage in an interdisciplinary learning-centered environment for self-improvement and self-sufficiency and promoting diversity, national literacy, culture, and the arts. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> They're at the stanleyfoundation.org. All right. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. We'll be back next week with either The Incredibles. Or Catwoman. Or Catwoman. We'll be back next week with Catwoman. Yeah, it's Catwoman. It's Catwoman. Same pod time, same pod channel, and from both Me and Brian, Excelsior! Hi, heroes. This is Stan Lee coming at you. Want you to know, Marvel has always been and always will be a reflection of the world right outside our window. That world may change and evolve, but the one thing that will never change is the way we tell our stories of heroism. Those stories have room for everyone, regardless of their race, gender, religion, or color of their skin. The only things we don't have room for are hatred, intolerance, and bigotry. That man next to you, he's your brother. That woman over there, she's your sister. And that kid walking by, hey, who knows? He may have the proportionate strength of a spider. We're all part of one big family, the human family, and we all come together in the body of Marvel. And you, you're part of that family. You're part of the Marvel universe that moves ever upward and onward to greater glory.
In other words, Excelsior! <laughs>